0: an ironic media production. Visit us at I R O N I C K media.com. No, you totally flipped it upside down for me there. Thank you. Yeah. Do you feel more grounded now? I do. Do you feel the bottoms of your feet? I feel one of them. I'll put the other (laughs) one down. Yes. Yes, I do. I love feeling grounded. That is one of my favorite things is just feeling my feet on the ground. That's my new go-to for whenever the panic gets out of control, I try to feel my feet. Yeah, that's definitely the number one thing to do is when you're feeling anxiety, when you're feeling panic is to walk because that helps to stimulate your feet and that makes you feel grounded, get in nature, do some tapping, watch a funny movie. You want to go from being in the sympathetic nervous system. That's what anxiety is to the parasympathetic nervous system. When you're in the parasympathetic nervous system, that's when you have access to your intuition, your creativity. You can feel your dad's presence. It's those moments where you slow down that there's the complete joy. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing and transformation i'll teach you how to shift your mindset conquer your fears and become the best version of you you'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey i've been on for well over a decade my connection with energy is so strong and i can't wait to share it with you let's get started All right. Today on the podcast, I have Julie Ballou and she is an amazing woman. First of all, she is my producer, right? You produce my podcast. Um, One of your producers. Yeah. One of my producers, your team, my team of people helping to make podcasts with a purpose. I love it. She also has been in radio for over 25 years, has her own podcast and is definitely going through a journey With obviously working on my podcast, that's been an interesting thing for her. She was just on one of the pod healings. She got to witness what it's like to work with me. I am just excited to talk to you because you are doing a lot of amazing things. You also offer these empowering chats with Mark Ronick. Thursdays on Clubhouse at 10 a.m. on Mountain Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern. If you're into trying to get a podcast started or want to see what it's like to be a podcaster, you could definitely join that group it's very helpful. In fact, I, sometimes I jump in there and just listen to what other people are talking about to see what I can do even better. It's good therapy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also a good chance to reflect on my own personal experience. Podcasters uh, need therapy too. apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough sometimes. So Julie, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So you didn't know anything about me before you started working with Mark, right? No, I didn't. Okay. And he handed over my podcast to you to start editing. What was that like? (laughs) Well, it was Ophelia back then. Yeah. So I was like, "Ooh, near-death experiences. That sounds really cool. I mean, I'm totally into all that stuff and open to stories and ideas and always looking for stories about people's experiences that are hard to explain. Yeah, no, I ate this up with a spoon. <laughs> it was good. That's cool. Good stuff. <laughs> so, so you had some awareness of NDEs. So what about the other stuff that we talked about on the podcast? Were you familiar with that stuff? I wasn't. I wanted to mention the episode that literally changed my life. It was the one with Susan Burrell, just some of the things that she talked about in that episode. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, you should definitely dive back into the history because that is some crazy stuff and just my head exploded and it has not come back together yet. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what specifically changed for you there? Uh, That the universe wants me to be happy. It was so simple. It was just so simple that the universe is on my side, that Mm -hmm. it is rooting for me and that this positive energy, all this stuff that I've been thinking exists, like, I was brought up in a very strict religious household, and all of that did not make sense to me. So I was able to cross all the T's and dot all the I's after listening to that episode in order to make sense of even Christianity, of all the religions. It's like, we're all right. We're just all shooting for the same things. Mm -hmm. And and if we could just realize that, come on, yeah, everything would be so much easier. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I grew up Catholic and had to go to CCD, which is Central City Dump. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's what we called it. Uh, I don't even know what it stands for. So well, it was only on Sundays and I would be able to get out of it sometimes because I would have soccer games and things like that. And I was always like, yes. And then afterwards we we would have to go to church. And that was like the majority of my childhood. But there were years where we like kind of didn't go or whatever to church. We didn't go. We always went to CCD. And then when I was in ninth grade, I got confirmation or confirmed, <laughs> however you would say that. Yeah. And then I was done and I was like, (laughs) woohoo, no more church. (laughs) Right. But I mean, I just remember, first of all, what's so funny is I was yawning a lot when I was in church, which I do when I'm working with people. I was Uh, too. Which is yeah, transmuting the unconscious energy. So I thought that was interesting. It was also dim lighting. So it was a little tiring. Kind of (laughs) boring. Yeah, kind of boring and weird for me. There are definitely things that I liked about it, but in the end, like you were saying, I was kind of like, why, why would a God think that I'm bad if I did something, you know, I just kind of was like, didn't you make me like, didn't, isn't this your fault then? (laughs) (laughs) Like if you made me and I made a mistake. And it's that whole idea of judgment and judgment My aunt used to tell us bedtime stories about revelations and the ends of the world. So it's no wonder I was so screwed up from a very early age. Those were my bedtime stories. uh, And my whole family was extremely nervous about what people thought about us. And so there was an awful lot of two-faced stuff going on it uh, drove me crazy my mom would be like yelling at me over I don't know whatever something stupid I did as a teenager and the phone would ring and she'd pick it up and she'd answer and she'd go hello and I was driving crazy oh wow (laughs) that's (laughs) bad mood at least answer the phone in a bad mood so people know So, yeah. So your dad was in television, right? So that was probably one of the reasons why you were trying to upkeep a persona, right? And to the outside world. That's maybe what my mom was thinking. Yeah, my dad was a, a producer at CNN in the early days, the early 80s. Took a chance, went to Atlanta to start a 24 hour news cable station that was like unheard of back in those days. And I've always really drawn on his ability to do that, to, to drop local news. We were in New Orleans at the time and just pick up and go and try something new and different, like 24 hour cable. Cable in 1982 was like, Whatever. It was like the internet in 1999, you know, <laughs> like this isn't going to last, but it did. And it became hugely successful. And so uh, I've never been afraid to take chances, I think, because of that ever since. That's cool. That's really, really cool. That's a good example of how energy can be passed down, energy and programming can be passed down for our favor. So you also did a pod healing. You were on the first pod healing, which just came out recently. What was that experience like for you? Well, I didn't know what to expect at all because I've never been to anything like that. And I kept trying to think of what's my issue going to be because I have a lot of issues. I got (laughs) enough issues to fill up a magazine racks, which Janine Garofalo (laughs) used to always say. So I was trying to pick one. And as you went through all of the girls in front of me and they... Some of the ideas they had were very similar to problems that I had, very similar. And I'm like, wow, uh, uh, this is good. I'm, I'm going to pocket all this. But my biggest issue is my physical pain. And I was in the middle of reading The Body Keeps the Score. So I was learning my pain it was based on my trauma from my childhood. But I was really kind of hoping for one big whoosh from you to just... <laughs> Make it go away, because <laughs> I I feel like I've been working on this forever. Mm. Uh, but honestly, I've only been working on it for about a year. It wasn't until I turned fifty years old. I'm gonna be fifty one next week. Oh wow! And I wish I could have gotten started earlier on this. But the first half of my life, we got some work to do. The second half is gonna be way more fun. So mm. I'm just ready to get going. I just you know I'm ready to put all that behind me and get going. So Julie, you brought up a good point where it's like a lot of times people come to me and they're like, just make it better, just like fix it. And, fix it. <laughs> and I always say to people, usually like, let's say a couple of sessions in, you know, several sessions in, I'll say, now remember when you asked me to fix it? Are you grateful that I didn't? And they look at me like, I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. And I, and I say, would you have the understanding that you have right now about who you are, about your journey, about how to heal, if I just snapped my fingers and fixed everything, wouldn't I have stolen a lot from you? I guess so. Yeah.
1: There's There's the work.
0: Healing comes in the work. yeah. 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 So there's so much realization that comes through our own healing that is so powerful and transformative in of itself. It wouldn't be fair for me to just, you know, circumvent or biohack or eliminate that journey. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be fair. I would be stealing it from you. It would be the same thing if somebody came to me when I was standing on Fifth Avenue in New York City and I wanted to walk in front of a bus and said, oh, Amy, don't worry. I'll give you a hundred million dollars and you don't have to ever work again. Then you won't feel the pain that you're in right now because you can move out of your apartment. You can transform your life that way do you think I'd probably be here right now doing this? Probably not. I would have no understanding of this kind of work because it was in those moments where I was just like, something's got to change and it's all up to me. Mm -hmm. And that's where I found the empowerment. I was like, nobody else is going to do this for me. This is going to have to be me. I do it. I don't know if you know this, Julie, maybe I've mentioned on a podcast, but Prior to that moment, when I wanted to take my own life, which is really sad, I was pooped on by birds 19 and a half times. (laughs) It was like a random thing that everyone in my family knew I would be pooped on no matter where we were, we could be six girls lying on the beach. I'd be the one that got pooped on. <laughs> I was once outside a hard rock cafe and it was my birthday and I was the one in a line of a hundred people that got pooped on by a bird. And it was bad. It was so bad that I ran up to the bouncer. I was like, let me in. <laughs> and he was like, why? And I was like, I pointed at my head and he's like, whoa, <laughs> it's like, go ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. So- so the point of this story is, oh, and the half, <laughs> by the way, the half is when a bird actually <laughs> pooped through my sunroof and hit my backseat of my car, dried and ruined the leather in the backseat. So I count that as a half because that was pretty obnoxious. The point of this is I've never been pooped on since it was all right before I woke up. Wow.
1: That's, wild. and
0: birds signify the reality between the heavens and the earth. So it's when I finally embraced God, because I was like, like we said, I grew up Catholic, so I was kind of okay with God, but I was little like, I don't know about this religion. It seems good, but it's a little bit strict and I mess up in times that I don't even mean to mess up. I have to tell somebody my sins and I don't know any, all that seemed a little hard for me to comprehend. Plus it was a little boring going there and it wasn't exciting and I didn't feel a lot of joy or love, like, which I thought I would feel. So at a certain point, you know, right when I was standing on fifth Avenue, I wanted to take my life. I thought, well, I don't know if there's a God. I don't, I was actually at that point, I think agnostic, if I could really say, I'm pretty sure I was, I had lost all joy. I was really angry. And the thought of there being more was just not there. Like I, I thought, oh, this is it. This life sucks. Mm-hmm. but then it was when I started meditating that I was like, holy shit, we're all connected. And I feel really great. And I'm starting to feel this love, this unconditional love that I never felt when I went to church, which I should have felt. Right. Cause it was like, Hey, we, that's what we do here. Right. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. So it was finally when I started accepting that there was a God or a universal power an organization to it, all the quantum field, however you want to look at it. It's all the same to me, the divinity of it all. The birds stopped pooping on me because I stopped ignoring them. I stopped ignoring the relationship between heaven and earth. That is such a great story. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's true that I was pretty great that I did not get pooped on anymore. So, and then, then the signs became dimes. So they, they switched. So every time I see a dime, I know that spirit is trying to tell me a story or say you're doing a good job or maybe check in, you know, something like that. So I, I always do that. So it's a lot easier to pick up dimes than it is to poop off your head. So anyway, back to you, Julie. So you experienced the pod healing and there was some transformation that happened, correct? There's a lot of things that happened afterwards that had to have been related for sure. Um, Can you dive into that? Okay. I started having a lot of memories from my childhood, 50 years prior to now, that I tucked away little flashes of things. And I haven't been the best journaler in the world lately. It's one of those things. I'm like, I know this goes with the program. I have to journal. So I grabbed my book and I just started trying to write down the memories. And then I'm like, why am I writing down these memories? They're bad memories. I don't want to remember the bad memories. But I felt like I needed some kind of frame of reference just in case later or something. Then I started finding all of these old journals that I had over the years that I would do the same thing. I'd start and write 10 pages and then put it aside for a couple of years and then pick it up and write 10 pages and put it aside for a couple of years. Well, 50 years, that's actually a lot of chapters. Mm -hmm. And it's just rantings from my mind, just rantings. But it was able to help me see how far I've come. Hmm. and that was what I needed a lot of I needed to see wow look how far you've come so and maybe it was during the pod healing one of the other girls was writing a meditation and I had had a a seed implanted in me a week before that that I should write a book and I was like yeah whatever (laughs) how am I gonna write a book I can't remember anything from my past I have a lot of Cloudy brain memories, and so uh, how would that even be possible? So then, when I found all of these journals, I was like, "Ah, well, I have some kind of reference now. I could actually mm. do that if I wanted to. And what would my point of writing this book be? Well, it's not to bring up all the nastiness that's, you know, happened in my life and embarrass my family, which is, I'm sure, what my mom would think. But <laughs> I. <laughs> To, to help other people to because that was what my podcast taught me when I did my podcast was that my story was relatable to so many people who had also experienced the same thing and felt ashamed of it and didn't want to tell anybody about it it's just reemphasizing emphasizing everything that, about I've just got to lay it all out there I've just got to let mm-hmm. people know things that have screwed me up over the last 50 years that are now going to help fix me so Right. So Julie, you have a podcast called Rape the Podcast, obviously talking about your experience, but also you interview other people who are victims of rape. Is that I do. I, I interview a lot of different types of people. I live in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and a story had come out on the news on CNN about how our police department had thrown away over 200 rape kits. And that just, that just hit me right here because I have had experience with sexual assault, never reported it to the police, but I feel like times are different now. So I would want my daughters. I have. I have twin daughters, I have twin stepdaughters, I have a lot of daughters. Wow. <laughs> I have a daughter that I gave up for adoption that I've recently found and wow. connected with. And uh, that's a whole nother story. But I want my daughters to feel like if anything like that were to happen to them, that they would feel safe and going to the authorities to report it. That was my main goal in doing this podcast. And so I wanted to talk to our city leaders and I wanted to talk to the police and I wanted to talk with experts on trauma and with other victims to to try to put all the pieces together to figure out what we're if we're doing the right things to fix this problem. Mm. Because I think the, the police acknowledge they know that they've done some bad things in this town and particularly that would turn people off from wanting to report something so horrible to them Mm -hmm. and try trying to go through that whole experience can sometimes be even more traumatizing than the actual assault right you would think in our day and age that it would be something that would be carefully handled and make you feel absolutely safe as much as possible and and yeah. in a lot of smaller towns, it's still a big problem. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, our my city is like the third largest city in in Missouri. We have St. Louis, and we have Kansas City, about three hours away from us here. And I would like to think that the big cities have got further ahead in the way that they process these cases. But it it was truly my town that had put together a sexual assault task force already. And we're making reports as to, okay, now we have this many rape kits sitting on the shelves, and we're processing and we need this much money so that we can process this many more. And then they built this whole family justice center in Springfield, which is, in my opinion, a terrible name, because it's not the place it sounds like you want to go to after you've been sexually assaulted the family justice center mm-hmm. it's kind of cold, but on the inside they have taken a lot of care to like pay attention to the paint on the walls to so what kind of furniture goes in the rooms wow, that's and great. The, the energy of the building itself has been carefully constructed, and it's a place where you can go and tell your story one time. So you tell it to the police, you tell it to your lawyer, you tell it to the prosecuting attorney, you tell it to the advocates. You only have to go through that whole ordeal of telling what happened one time because we've heard in the past that, you know, after a while, what's the point of telling the story? I've told the story so many times. Right. It's so traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. In of itself, it's traumatizing, but then also feeling not heard is that whole other set of problems as well. Right. So I was just amazed because I didn't know that this is what I was going to get when I opened this can of worms. I kind of thought I was going to start making some people mad. And I'd heard stories of how the police could turn against you and start following you around and pull you over for no reason if you start saying bad things about them. I wasn't saying bad things about them. I was just wanting to ask questions. And it took me at least a year for me to even secure an interview with our police chief. Now, that that was really concerning to me. I couldn't understand. But then you put it into perspective because this was also happening over the course of COVID. And then they actually had lost a couple of police officers in their department over the last year. So they've had their own traumas that they've been trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to navigate. So he's definitely way more open to talking about this than I ever thought he would. As a matter of fact, he does like breakfast with the chief or coffee with the chief or something once a month. So anybody- Anybody can go and talk to him and voice their concerns, and and he listens. He, he really is listening. So my town, I feel, has got a really good handle on the situation. Now I'm getting motivated to go into season two. The first season, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew I was going to have to tell my own story. I knew I was going to have to face a lot of demons that I had tucked away. And uh, I'll tell you, that was not easy. There was there were there were some days. But the power that I found in telling my story and then getting emails from people who were like, I want to tell my story too, that healed me Mm. amazingly. So let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. So Mm -hmm. part two of Rape the Podcast I want to travel outside of Springfield into some of the smaller towns around us where they only have two or three people on the police force mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, title nine is kind of a joke in some of these towns and they're still a very good old boy system and well, that girl shouldn't have been wearing that skirt or walking home that way. And I mean, it still happens. There's a lot of education that has to happen outside of my city to help people who are still afraid to go to the police to report any kind of sexual assault. And they're working on it. They're working on it. The state is working on it on a state level. Now, they have modeled their sexual assault task force similar to what my town's task force was and they've involved the forensics labs so that they can explain some of the problems that they have are like, what do they do with all of the evidence? When you report a sexual assault, you've got sometimes clothing and all kinds of things that could have DNA on them, not just the rape kit itself, but like jackets and mm-hmm. big bulky items, and they have no place to store all of this stuff. And that is just a problem that you don't you know, think about, mm-hmm. you know, as as a regular citizen. So Does the hospital hold on to it? Do the police hold on to it? I mean, there's actual storage problems. So, you know, they're trying to go about and fix these issues in the smaller cities. And I'm really excited to see what else has to be done. And I really want to continue the story. So it's amazing that you're doing that. And um, I commend you really for one, telling your story so publicly, and then also being able to help women find healing by hearing another woman's story, that's incredible, and it, and that is so healing uh, for the planet. It is so important that people say, like, I, I had this happen, and you know, I just want somebody else to know that, that, uh, and and just to say, I'm sorry. But we've all know somebody who's had it happen, mm-hmm. and we all know at least half of them have never reported it or anything. So. Mm-hmm. Imagine what a different world we would live in if we could have reported these things, if there could have been some justice, if there had been some because this is a big part of the equation is the judges, the judges need education, they are still sentencing rapists. With really lenient sentences. So th- there needs to be a lot of work done on the judge. And it's hard. How do you walk up to a judge and say, you're doing it wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, you're wrong about this, but, but that's what we have to do. We have to find a way to right. make our judge trauma informed as well so that potential rapists and abusers don't see any point in even trying it because they're just going to get caught and they're going to get sent to prison and there's going to be a punishment for it right now. There's no punishment. There's nothing to stop them. Right. It it is pretty amazing that we don't have any resources or very little resources for our police officers, our firefighters, our ambulance, first aid people like the people who are taking the calls even for the rescue 911 people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, what the hell they they are on the phone handling traumas as they're happening through their own home or wherever they are, like whether they're at work or not. I don't know about with COVID, if they had to take them up from at home, but it's like they can't do anything. Like talk about having your hands tied behind your back and hearing the worst things happening. And -hmm. there's no emotional support for that. There's no... Like EFT training to my awareness, that's one of the ways in which I wanted to get EFT out there is just to help train the cops, the firefighters, the first responders, like they need to know this. They're traumatized almost as much as the well on a daily basis. And then we're like, oh, you're angry. Why? Yeah, right. Of course they are. Right. They've seen, or people. you just want to shut this case down. I can't imagine why. You know, yeah, exactly. You don't want to know all the the mean things that are really going on. And I'm not saying that cops are perfect, but I do have actually a cop that's going to be coming on the podcast. She's a okay. friend of mine, and it's a, a really cool story how we met. And well, <laughs> it's an interesting story how we met, but it's a cool story how we continue to grow our relationship. But I'm just so grateful that you're out there talking about these tough topics because it's necessary. We, we need change everywhere. And this is coming up a lot in the last two weeks is just healers look different, you know, and you're a healer, Julie. I mean, you're healing the planet. You're healing people from their experience. And that's not easy to do. A lot of times we forget that healers can look like firefighters or cops or a podcaster like you, Julie, you know, who's sharing her story and giving women permission to share theirs and changing the system from the inside out. So thank you. Well, thanks for saying that because i trying to remember that on a regular basis is that I'm also a healer because I struggle with the internal voices that my mom and uh, maybe an ex-husband implanted in my brain that are still there. Those voices, I cannot get them to shut up. So that's why I'm embracing all this meditation and energy healing and EFT as much as possible because I, I'm done with these voices. These mm-hmm. voices. and and what scares me is that they're are they my voices? Are they their voices? Why can't I control them? Why can't, why is it so hard to get? And and you had said during our healing that I I had a lot going on. I had a whole lot of stuff to heal. And and that's something that I have a hard time remembering too, is that this isn't just a simple little, you know, this didn't happen just one time to me. This is several instances of of Dark Nights of the Soul. My question to you is, so you have a collection of Dark Nights. Do you count like the last one before (laughs) you finally get it as your main one or how does that work? (laughs) <laughs> it's so cute that you asked that I, somebody else has recently asked me about my dark nights and um I, like the darkest night, I think was obviously when I wanted to take my own life, but there have been times where I've had dark nights where I thought I'm going to leave healing or I'm going to just tell the world, fuck it. <laughs> you know, like, just I'm done with this. You know, it, it can be hard being a healer and being so sensitive and experiencing life, just like everybody else, but also having the awareness and the tools and the, psychic ability to see the bigger picture but then still be in this body and have these limitations so sometimes that can be really frustrating. So I have had other dark nights of the soul and even I would say coming out was a dark night of the soul for me. It was it was scary and it was uh something I was working through that for quite a while. I don't think that there's like any reason to really quantify it but if I had to I would say that when I wanted to take my life I was really what shifted everything for me. Other than maybe, I guess, like coming out, I see it's hard to say. Like, And and every time that I have had a dark night of the soul and come out the other side, I realized why I went through it. And you had said something just a moment ago that I wanted to touch upon, (laughs) that you've been working on this for a year, that you've been trying to heal for a year. Honestly, in my opinion, once you wake up, there's no end to the healing. It is a process of unwinding so much that, yes, of course, like the healing becomes less intense, but there's always stuff to heal. So it's a journey. And as soon as you can accept that it's a journey and it's not going to be over in a session or an instant or whatever, it's part of the process. It's part of our awakening. It's a part of our upleveling. It's a part of our healing karma. There's so many different reasons why we go through this journey and it isn't supposed to be quick. If I could fix people in an instant, I would be stealing so much from them and that wouldn't be fair. And I would actually probably pay the consequences, energetically speaking, karmically speaking, for altering the course, your course, in something that I did. Because it, it, like I said, it, it is part of why you're here. We come, this is earth school. Like we come here because it's difficult and we come here because we are, our limits are stretched. Our capabilities are a paradox. Like we, we are limitless, yet we are limited by our physical being and body. So the more that we can figure out that how to work that dynamic, the better off we are and the more impacts we have on this planet. Yeah. So, and another thing, You mentioned that you don't know how to quiet these voices. I really truly believe that the way to quiet the voices is through tapping at first to really Kill or, you know, remove. it feels like an argument. It's is what it's it become is. with me. It's, mm-hmm. it, I start tapping. I feel like I'm maybe just, I don't know if I'm being lazy or just trying to do it my way or something. But like the first half of the sentence that I'm, I, I've discovered is usually the thing that I am the voice is, is that voice that is really getting to me. I'm disappointing everybody. I'm disappointing everybody, but I, Deeply love and accept myself. So I'm failing at this, but I deeply love and accept myself. Is it, am I getting it right anywhere near it? Of course you are. Um, (laughs) So what you're saying is not the truth. And it is something that you've heard and it's something you believe. And our thoughts, when we believe them for a long time, become our beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not true. You are not disappointing people. You are doing a great job. Um, you are making an impact. You are a healer. You're here. You're present. You do your best to, you know, the four agreements. Have you read them? I have read the four agreements a lot since I've met Mark. Yes. Okay. Oh, right. Cause he's obsessed with it. Uh, it's so great. And I got them into it. I think the four agreements are awesome. I love living by them because when you do, you don't have regrets or at least they're minimized drastically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you can say to yourself, I'm going to do my best. And anything of the voice that you're talking about there, I'm not doing my best or I'm disappointing people. You could say, if I'm disappointing people, that might have something more to do with their expectations of me than my own expectations, because I'm doing the best that I can. I've given it all I've got. And if they have expectations of me that are out of alignment with my own expectations, it's up to me to tell them that that's Not actually my expectation. And I'm surprised that you have that expectation of me. How do you think we can get to an agreement or an alignment with this? How can I not disappoint you? What could I do that you would like me to do that I'm not doing already? And then that's when they're like, whoa, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Or you can just say, listen, F you, that's your expectations of me. And I've done that before. That has everything to do with you. So this is the other agreement, which is don't take anything personally. When people start judging you, it is more about them than you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Wayne Dyer says is when people are judging, they're pointing the finger, right? But that's one finger at you and three back at them. Okay. I hear that. And these are things that I've heard my whole life, right? Maybe maybe I didn't really believe or didn't get until this last year. It's yeah. So here's, here's the big difference between traditional healing And quote unquote spirituality is you can have all these understandings up in your mind, right? You say, Oh, that voice is bad, or I shouldn't be talking to myself like that, or I'm really spiritual. Look at all the crystals I have or whatever. (laughs) But like, if there's no integration in the body, in the heart and healing in the body, then it's really not serving you. It's just a lot of fluff. It's just painting the walls in a terrible place is not really going to change the fact that it's a terrible place. It'll look better. It's like putting lipstick on the pig, right? They say, you really need to do the work, which is the inner work, which is the healing of the heart and the heart space. That's one of the reasons why I love EFT is because we can take the things that we've experienced or the voices that we hear in our head and we can start to heal them, but we can start to heal how we felt about them at the time. Yeah. So somebody like yourself who, you know, I said, there's a lot going on there. It's you're in a lot of fight or flight and it has to do with the traumas that are in the tissues of your body, right? So the issues are in the tissues, the body keeps the score. So when those stories are in our own personal space, right? Cause we haven't processed them. We haven't released them. It's kind of like a bunch of papers on your desk that you haven't processed, they're going to be there until you actually do something with them. Whether you throw them all out in the garbage and you hope for the best (laughs) or you process them, you are walking around with a lot of noise in your energetic field. And sometimes I can't even work with people because there's so much noise in their body. Like I can't, other than do energy healing, I can't talk to them because they are not even maybe in their body. Uh, mm-hmm. so they're checked out. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I'll see, or they're literally what it'll sound like to me as an energy healer when I tune into their energetic field. It sounds like high pitched noises, all like so high that I can't even hear. It's like 12 channels on all at once on a TV or something like that. It's like. <laughs> And I get like irritated. I'm like, whoa, I I gotta, I gotta calm this person down so I can even get the information. So that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people who are in a lot of fight or flight, they find that they have trouble finding their words. They have trouble coming up with innovative ideas or being creative or accessing their intuition or their body is failing and, or all of these things, their energy is scattered. It's literally just like, there's almost no boundary to their body almost anything can get in at that point. And that's why I really recommend this, you know, holistic approach of clearing the energy, tapping and talking, trying to do meditation once that is calmed down. Cause going into meditation is actually quite scary for people who have been severely traumatized. Cause mm-hmm. it's all of a sudden, then you can start to feel what your body's feeling, hear the voices of the people. And that's that's not helpful, but tapping is is a possibility for such an experience like that. You know, actually in, in EFT, they have different levels of tapping. One of which is where when you experience something traumatic, you don't even have to talk about it. Your brain and your body will just say that situation. And that's enough because it highlights enough in your whole brain and body that you can just say, even though that situation happened to me, I deeply love and accept myself. And then what they suggest as part of the protocol is to imagine it in a box that is across the room. And then as you tap, you can see if you feel more comfortable getting closer to the box and then maybe opening the box just a little bit, maybe taking the lid off the box. And then once you are fully there, uh then you'd be down to a zero. So with tapping, there's that scale from zero to 10 and it's really about just allowing the body to process out all of the tags like a like you know how I like if you had a website you tag certain things like so people could find them mm-hmm. your body does the same thing A tags thing tags trauma or information and it'll put it in this whole neural network that is your brain and as soon as you say something about that experience The whole all the tags light up and all the circuitry and all the information and then it immediately hijacks you and you think you're going to die. That's because the brain doesn't know the difference between what is happening right now and what is happened in the past or is, you know, like that's also why I say don't watch scary shows on TV because you're actually putting your body through a lot of trauma, which you you don't even realize it because you're engaged or it's exciting and, and maybe life is built for you. But what happens is, is your, your body starts to release adrenaline and other hormones get out of whack. And you start to then be like, is there somebody, you know, waiting for me outside when I take the garbage, you know, (laughs) shit like that. You were like, I didn't think that before. (laughs) Um, So I, I do say it's really important to be aware of how the mind works and how we experience trauma and how it's wired in our body. I'm like, listen, life is got enough things going on. I don't need to expose myself to extra trauma. I need to remember that I'm here for people like you who are going through these kinds of things and that I need to be a hundred percent there and not hijacked from some silly show that had aliens that abducted somebody (laughs) (laughs) that actually happened to me once. This is where I learned like this. I I tend to learn these experiences through Mm -hmm. it showing up in my own life. I went to an acupuncturist for the first time. And she was like, Why is your heart meridian totally off? And I was like, um, I gotta be honest with you, I watched a really scary show last night. This was like 15 years ago, or maybe 12, and it was on CBS and it was a kid's show and it was about an alien showing up and that my <laughs> body freaked out. <laughs> I was totally scared. So I know myself, you know, I can't handle very much in that realm. And I mean, you don't and, like Halloween, do you? No, I mean, I do. <laughs> I, I'm oh, my friend Carla laughed one time because I there was a, all these pumpkins that people had carved. and Mine was up there, and it was a smiley face. And she's like, "Amy, I know which one's <laughs> yours." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I don't want things to be scary. Like, I want, I want happiness and joy on the planet. But I'm starting to. There's a little bit of evolution in me going on uh, just this year where I'm like, okay, maybe a little bit of scary is okay." I don't know. Spiders, spiders are good. Spiders are good for the planet, you know. And so, if you get behind spiders, which are also scary to some people, that'd be a nice place to start. I'm just saying. That's yeah. where. I, that's the only thing I can handle: is spiders. So yeah, I'm not so scared of spiders. Um, I guess maybe like a tarantula is not my favorite, but it, my son is actually really scared of spiders, and so we got this weird but true magazine from my my sister, and he's learning how to read. So it's like there are. 80 spiders. It was like there are 80 spiders within six feet of you at all times, or something like that. And he was like, <laughs> I'm like, "Shit, I shouldn't have." <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, back like to I don't even know where we were about all this. Oh, sorry yeah, about that. Halloween healing should be quick, and and the point is, is it's it's not supposed to be quick. It's a process. It's it's about the climb, <laughs> as Miley Cyrus well- would say. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> One of the things that happened to me after the healing that I thought was pretty weird and maybe so. And this is a two parter because it goes with a question. How do I trust my instincts? But let me preface it with what happened. I have a, a Spotify playlist. I, I'm obsessed with making playlists on Spotify and it's called Julie's Jazz Journey. And what I did was when my dad died, he left me all of his jazz records. And so I started going through them and then making Spotify lists out of them. Every now and then I'll listen to it and it relaxes me. I love jazz. The other day I walked in my room and I heard clear as day, Julie's Jazz journey. So I told my smart speaker to start playing it. And I stood there frozen because I didn't know what was happening. And I felt my dad used to give the tightest hugs. And right here, it was just my arms were just stuck up up against me. It was like somebody was holding me. Aww. Oh, and then something weird happened where I felt his—I felt a hand, or I felt something go along my face, hmm. and then I felt it along my my neck, where a lot of my pain is. Hmm. Um, that same pressure that I had felt in my shoulders, I felt on on my neck, and I'm like, "Oh, Dad's healing me." Of course, it's hurt since then, so maybe it wasn't a full healing, but I knew it was him. I just—I knew. I mean, Dad was there. We were listening to some jazz, and he was holding me because he knew I needed it. So Julie, you're amazing. So that happened. And, uh, <laughs> and I have a lot of forgiveness for my dad. I, I, I do not have very much forgiveness for my mom who is still alive, but I have a lot of forgiveness for my dad. My dad died in a very tragic, tra- traumatizing way and, and creates intrusive thoughts about suicide because it's possible he may have killed himself. It's also possible he may have been murdered, but we don't know. And uh, we may never know. So uh, anyway, well, Julie, so let me ask you something. because Instincts. <laughs> instincts about what? About knowing whether that stuff is true or not, whether that's oh. really happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that it's really hard for you to forgive your mom. And one of the things that I learned when I was first starting out was that Lack of forgiveness is really anger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a- anger is like holding onto a hot stone and never throwing it. So you're the only one that's getting burnt by it. It's totally valuable to say, Julie, you experienced that and you have every right to be angry and you could stay angry for the rest of your life. But you do have a choice. Yeah, That's where the deep healing is, is, is recognizing which one do I want? Do I want to forgive and move on? Or do I want to hold on to this and possibly have pain and suffering inside my own body because I'm holding on to this? No, I definitely want to move on. And I feel like I've started some steps towards that because I try to imagine. Sounds like, like you have I, yeah, I try. That, that's I, definitely where to start. I know, I know how she was raised and the the embarrassment and shame that she's felt her whole life Mm -hmm. was bestowed upon her by my grandmother and, Mm -hmm. and all of her anger and shame about me is, is because of that. So I feel sorry for her that she cannot release that kind of stuff and, and find a way to get past it, but I'm not going to fix her. I'm not going to change her, so we don't talk, and, right. and and so that that's where I'm at with that. But it, I still feel anger. I still feel the anger, and I'm not, I'm still working on releasing it for sure. Yeah, I had a client recently. We were we were working on something similar to this, and, and I'll just leave this at at that. Like you said, she experienced the shame, the judgment, and then projected it onto you, which is one of the reasons why we do our healing, right? Mm-hmm. Also, want to say w- with regard to that, that generation was pretty unconscious for the yeah. most part. They raised their kids based off of how they were raised and they didn't question authority. They didn't do a lot of inner work. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of trauma that was swept under the rug. And that is a really tough life to live. Like, for instance, my mother, she had several miscarriages and was always expected to just get up and take care of all the rest of the kids. Obviously, we didn't know. And so we weren't like changing our behavior or being like, I'm sorry, mom, you know, or anything like that. That is trauma that gets stuffed down and it eats away at you. And there's a quiet journey that a lot of them have been through where they don't have the permission or didn't have the permission to heal it. And we do. We are now in the era of permission to heal the past and Mm -hmm. heal ourselves, and it's not self-indulgent in which it used to feel like or be like. Yeah, yeah. People would say, "Oh, that's some hogwash, bullshit." Like, just you know, straighten up, stop crying, you know, get over it, you know, all that, all those things. Yeah, I mean, all those things that come from somewhere, right? And Mm -hmm. that was the way to to be. I just, you know, it was coaching soccer, and one of the dads said to me. Cowboys brush it off. <laughs> this kid, I uh, I know him, you know, from this season, and I, that's gonna mess with that kid. He's yeah. a sensitive kid. So, sure. well, thank God we have people like you out there. Who can... <laughs> you're welcome. I, I feel like I can't. I, I need to start training millions of people so that uh, we can have more healing on this planet. But it's a push, you know, I mean, or a touch. It's, you've touched all these people's lives who have listened to your podcast and it makes us all want to just follow along and continue this journey with you and take that energy. It was like that whole thing with the, the, with the sun. We're part of the sun, man. We're, we're all connected to the big bang. It's all running through our bodies right now. And we can affect the vibration of, of from one person to the next. Just touch them. Just touch them, just walk by them and just imagine, just think in your mind, oh, poof, I'm sending that person some love and, mm-hmm. and that makes you feel better. And so it's just this idea of, of passing a, a, along a higher frequency to the universe is, has changed my life. So mm, I'm so grateful that you came into my life and you are helping me to serve others. So thank you, Julie. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners? There's one more question I want to ask. Acceptance. During our energy healing, you said something about how I needed to accept myself. And, and that's when I said, but I want it to happen now. And so we didn't really get to address acceptance. And that's something I'm struggling with is acceptance. So I love and accept myself. I, I really do love myself more than ever before, but accepting myself is still a little difficult. So what do you recommend there? So this is going to probably blow open your third chakra and probably alleviate a lot of stress. So look out. (laughs) I'm going to explain it. Um, So first of all, acceptance has to do with judgment, right? Mm -hmm. So acceptance is saying that things should be different than they are. The opposite of acceptance would be saying things should be different, right? You're not Mm -hmm. accepting yourself because you're thinking it should have been different, right? Oh, So if you're thinking it should have been different, you're wishing for something that is impossible. It Mm -hmm. is what it is. It is what happened, whatever it is. Forgiveness is saying, I didn't get a manual. Like, I don't, I don't know how to be a human, just like nobody else knows how to be a human. We all are figuring it out. We're all doing the best that we can. That's where you can kind of generalize and say, listen, they're doing the best, that they can with what they have at the time. Mm-hmm. And for you, uh, difficulty that you're having with acceptance is we talk about chakras, right? It's in the third chakra. The third chakra is about victim versus empowerment energy. It's about right and wrong. It's about things being either black or white, not people, but issues. There's no gray, right? It's about ego. It's about judgment. Like I said, so when we are putting the lens or using our reticular activating system to see the world in that way, where things are either right or wrong, or they're either good or bad, or they should have or should not have happened, we are limiting what is possible. And we can shift our reticular activating system to see that all those things were happening to us for a reason. Mm -hmm. Now, some people could say amy that's bullshit I, how could you say those things happen they're awful things and and they are there are awful things that happen but it is in the choice that we have to see how it was working for us rather than happening to us so you like i said you could stay angry for the rest of your life i could have been angry that my soccer career was ripped from me when i was 16 years old and and nobody probably would really be like amy come on, get over it. Like they'd be like, that really sucked. You know, like that, if you're a compassionate person, you'd be like, Amy, that sucked. Amy, I'm sorry. You didn't have a second kid, Amy, you know, people, any, any one of the things that I have gone through a dark night of the soul, they would have said, you know what, you could stay angry the rest of your life. But I chose not to, I chose to see that maybe there was a meaning. And when I applied a meaning to it, it changed how I was feeling about it. I became more empowered. It made me curious. And I said, like, how could this be working for me? How could all of these things that I am unwilling to accept about myself be the very thing that I needed? Hmm. And that's why I have this question mark on my desk is because I always stay curious. I always wonder how is this working for me rather than happening to me? Mm -hmm. How am I not a victim, but yet an empowered soul creating the life that I really want. And it's in the drastic ownership of our experience that we can then change it. If we feel that we didn't create things, if we feel that something happened to us and was out of our control, we lose our empowerment. Somebody else is in control of us, right? Mm -hmm. If we believe that. But if we take that back and own it and shape it to see how it was actually divinely guided that maybe your mom showed up on this planet to be judgmental, to be, you know, <laughs> uh, to be in those <laughs> ways because she was creating you who then would go on to do X, Y, and Z help women who have experienced certain things in life and give them a voice yeah Wayne Dyer was the the man who I found to really just you know say this in the most perfect way he said my dad was a alcoholic and forced my mom because she was she you know he was also abusive forced her to have to give up her children to foster care because she couldn't support them and she couldn't leave them with him obviously and he said, I lived in foster care. And eventually she she came and got him and his brother. But he said, I wouldn't be self-reliant if it wasn't for my alcoholic father. So I thank him because he has now taught millions of people, meaning Wayne Dyer has taught millions of people how to be self-reliant because of his alcoholic father. So he says, who wants to play that role? Who wants to be the dickhead that shows up and is an alcoholic abusive father? It's like, no one. Right but he did that for me. Okay. And then I did that for a million people or more than that. Yeah. So he could, like I said, and nobody would ever say to him, Wayne, get over it. You know, your dad was a fucking jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like nobody, everybody would say, Wayne, you know what? Your life sucked. And if you made nothing of it, then that's fine. They would have, but he didn't. He said, how does this work for me? How is this? One of the best things, best gifts that ever happened to me, which is what I say about breaking my back and having my career, my soccer career ripped for me, I found out I was way more intelligent than I ever thought I was. I was way more focused and determined than I ever was. I figured out I had a new identity and mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was exactly, but I was able to get into a school that was amazing that I never thought I'd ever get into. And then that spurred my psychology journey and on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I got a good journal now. Okay. (laughs) So, so to answer your question, acceptance Mm -hmm. is everything to do with how mindset it has everything to do with how you view your past. Okay. How you view your past, you change the future. Okay. Okay. No, you totally flipped it upside down for me there. Thank you. Yeah. Take a deep breath in and out. Good. Do you feel more grounded now? I do. Do you feel the bottoms of your feet? I feel one of them. I'll put the other (laughs) one down. Yes. Yes, I do. I love feeling grounded. That is one of my favorite things is just feeling my feet on the ground. That's my new go-to for whenever the panic gets out of control. I I try to feel my feet. Yeah. And that's definitely the number one thing to do is when you're feeling anxiety, when you're feeling panic is to walk because that helps to stimulate your feet and that makes you feel grounded, get in nature, do some tapping, watch a funny movie. You want to go from being in the sympathetic nervous system. That's what anxiety is to the parasympathetic nervous system. When you're in the parasympathetic nervous system, that's when you have access to your intuition, your creativity. You can feel your dad's presence. It's those moments where you slow down that there's the complete joy. That's why I... I'm grateful that I had that experience where I wanted to kill myself because it spurred this whole journey where I saw life in a whole new way, where Mm -hmm. I I feel more connected to people than I ever did when I was so stressed out. Mm -hmm. I was missing so much of life. Because I was in fight or flight. But you know what really helps is hearing that you still struggle, that you're, well, you're still on your journey yourself and that you've, you've from time to time think about, well, screw all of this. Thanks a lot, Julie. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel better. Of course, I'm human because you're so good at what you do. And so to, to, to find out that the people that you're, looking up to these days is also struggling it it humanizes you and makes you more and makes the pain normal it makes and that's why it's so important for us to tell our stories and talk about do you remember in the healing i said why don't we ask what your shoulders and your neck and your jaw why they're hurting and Mm -hmm. and it's in those moments that we ask our body what's going on that we honor it and that we get some answers and then we can move out that energy that's stuck And then we find peace and then we find joy and happiness. And eventually the more that we spend time in parasympathetic nervous system, the more that we heal and the more that that extends. So it's like kind of like a daisy chain where we experience it for maybe five minutes. And then we're like, how do we get back back to that? Cause that was really amazing. And then we experience it for another five minutes, maybe later in the day. And then the next day it's for 10 minutes. And that's why When I first started meditating, I started out at 15 minutes and it was amazing. And I was like, wow, how can I have more of this? And I worked up to two hours a day pretty quickly. And I I would meditate for two hours a day for two years straight. It's amazing how fast it goes. When I first started this stuff, I was like, five minutes of what? Why? How? And now it's like five minutes is definitely not enough. And I need an hour. So, (laughs) yeah. And it's your body asking for this healing, for this ability to really tune in and, ch- and check in and honor it mm-hmm. because it is here going through the journey. And we often forget that the body has wisdom and that the body is talking to us. And that's one of the reasons why I love EFT and why I love tapping under the nose is because it connects the mind and the body, which has often been disconnected because of our society and the way that we think that things should be and how much we're in our head you know, anxiety is being a lot in your head. is thinking yeah. too much, right? And it's For not sure. calming or being in control of or training. And it's thoughts. not even rational. There's no, no, rational no. And that's, on, that's, on that's fight or flight. It's, it's yeah. just going off of the past experiences. Yeah. And the reticular activating system is like, oh, I know how to deal with this. We just freak out. Great. Fucking great. Now what? <laughs> <one. laughs> <laughs> exactly. You have to interrupt it. You have to say, no, no, no. That we're doing something different. Well, That particular activating system, that has got to come down. That particular association or orientation to the world needs to end. And we need to have a new orientation to the world, which is why I love EFT, because it, it changes how you view and interpret information permanently. Well, if you have any handouts or information that I can provide to our local trauma advocates and police officers in, uh, about EFT. I, well, I'm, I'm going to be doing a training for EFT. And doing I, a, mm-hmm. I will put them in touch with you because I feel like that is another way that I can contribute is to be a part of that, just to get that conversation going between people who maybe who otherwise wouldn't have met Maybe they need to think about in there. <laughs> Everyone needs to in their life. No kidding. <laughs> because I just love the shit out of people. I love them no matter where they're at. I Everybody am. has got a journey. Everybody is doing the best they can with what they have and what they've experienced. So I just give them the grace that they're human and they're a spirit and a body and they were brave enough to show up. And if I can help, then that's great. And if I'm not the person, that's okay, too. I, yeah. I wish them the best. So um, I, I definitely it is on my list to help the police officers and firefighters and such. That sounds cool. Great. And I'm excited to have my friend Krista. She's a cop on the show. Like I said, and we'll get oh, to yeah. hear what it's like to be on the other side. If you're a cop out there and you're listening, you please write into the show. I want to get to your police department and uh, offer you guys some free training. It's important. So Julie, you have a website that's called rapethepodcast.com, right? Look for rape, comma, the podcast. I also take emails. I was not able to get Google to give me an email address with rape in the name for some reason. So it's Springfield APC, which is, if you can think of Springfield APC, at gmail.com. Or you can email me at julie at ironicmedia.com. If you do have a story that you would like to tell about a sexual assault, whether it happened to you or whether you're an advocate, whether you're working the system, whether you know of some problem solvers out there, I'd love to hear those stories as well. Julie, thank you for being on the show and doing all the things that you're doing to help up-level women and their voices and change the system from the inside out. Thank you, Amy. Right back at you. (laughs)